I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to a... Monday, August 7th, 2023 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. No trade clauses. Aaron Washington is on the show today to talk all things NBA. Make sure to go check out notradeclause.com and all the great stuff. Uh, Aaron and the team, Scott Cooking on the NBA front this offseason, notradeclause.com. Uh, we talked about some Summer League stuff, a little Keontae George hype there for Utah, uh, what the Oklahoma City Thunder are doing, and when Sam Presti is going to need to cash in those uh, just future assets, future draft picks, all that and more with uh, his collection of young stars and Shea, Giddy, Chet, Jalen Williams and company, maybe even Casey Wallace. Um, why Zion might actually be the the chip uh, for OKC to cash in on sooner rather than later. The best, or excuse me, the worst teams in the West and East going into this year. Um, the Hornets, how Aaron would rebuild the Hornets if he was uh, named the GM uh, this year. The Nets and Knicks, who might actually end up having the better regular season record when it's all said and done all that and more coming up on today's edition of the chase thomas podcast okay darren let's go hey y'all thanks for checking out the chase thomas podcast if you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening welcome to the show appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program um if you enjoy what you hear today please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player new episode new content every single day tennessee vols atlanta sports guys sports reporters assemble nfl nba college football all that and more right here on this feed each and every day your favorite writers analysts personalities in the space on this very feed every day so if you like that you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in knoxville tennessee then this is the show for you so make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player and if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave a, this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show, and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, coworker, whoever about the Chase Homes Podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it. Five-star review or five-star rating. Write a review. I promise it helps in a major way. Takes a second. Hit that pause button. Take care of it today. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ down there in my home state, home city, Atlanta, Georgia, Mr. Aaron Washington of No Trade Clause. Aaron, good evening. How are you? Doing great, Chase. Thanks for having me on again. Always a pleasure to jump on, talk ball with you. 
Um, in this time of the year, it can be a little bit challenging to kind of get into it, find some content. But for guys like us, you know, we're junkies, we're we're in the trenches. So, you know, there's never a shortage of things to talk about. So glad to be on and uh, looking forward to a, another great conversation. Yeah, there's never there. There aren't many people here in Knoxville that I can just uh, walk around and be like, I just I don't know if the EuroLeague MVP is going to do enough uh, as the eighth guy for the Kings. I just I don't know if the Kings are going to be able to run it back. There aren't many conversations where I'm able to just jump into those because I have spent um, a absurd amount of time thinking about uh, the Kings and if they get back and where the jumbled West is. And then um, seems like a lot of NBA media is fo- uh, transfixed on the the loss of Jeff Green and uh, Bruce Brown for the Denver Nuggets. I feel like so many yeah. different shows and so much has been said about uh, the loss of those two guys. It's kind of wild uh, to see how much of uh, the discourse has revolved around some some. Uh, hey, a noted key cogs who helped guide the Denver Nuggets to a NBA world title. But it's kind of wild to me to see that how much of the conversation I felt like has been around Jeff Green and Bruce Brown and what the Nuggets are going to do there. Are you surprised by that too? Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, I, I do know that those guys made a huge impact for the championship team. And, the, you know, losing those guys is definitely going to be felt. There's no question mm. about that. Uh, but, I mean, I'm with you. I, I noticed the same thing in every broadcast I've seen. I was just going through some – um, old summer league footage. They were talking about that quite a bit mm-hmm. um, when the Nuggets came up a conversation. A few podcasts I've listened to also mentioned the same thing. So I mean, obviously losing Bruce Brown hurts and losing Jeff Green hurts, but it's not like Jeff Green was playing a ton of minutes for them. It's not like he was the Jeff Green of, of ten years ago where he was a starting level player and he was uh, putting up huge numbers or anything like that. So I mean, it's I think it's more going to be his, his locker room presence, the veteran presence he brought to the team. But I mean, as long as they can get some some nice contributions from guys that were a little bit farther down the totem pole last year, um, you know, Christian Brown coming in for another year of experience and a couple of other guys that they drafted coming in and hopefully being able to do a little bit for them, they can definitely get through it and they have enough depth to withstand it. Uh, but to answer your question, I was a little bit surprised that I guess people kind of made it such a big deal when it came to the losses of those two players. Yeah, it's just like the the reason they go back to back is not going to come down to Jeff Green and Bruce Brown. Like it's just I, right. I'm just not there. Like they'll they'll figure it out. Um, sure. Summer League, uh, you were there. You watched a lot of it. Um, I am I'm curious. So when you were thinking about just who performed the best, obviously Summer League MVP went to uh, Cam Whitmore, and um, there was a lot of talk. Who who would it have been for you if uh, who was the guy who got who did not play at the end who probably would have gotten it and he got injured and left? Who am I blanking on right now? Who? Uh, I know for the Rockets, um, Amon Thompson did get hurt. Um, yeah. He didn't play most of those games. Um, Scoot Henderson uh, mm-hmm. didn't play most of the way. Um, Wemby was shut down after two games, mm-hmm. although it was more for protection more than anything. Um, so those were some notable guys that did not play the rest of the way that I, I wish had because when they were playing, they looked really good out there. They looked like they knew what they were doing and um, like, it was, um, like they'd been out there before. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing to see. So who was your biggest standout? Um, was it Cam Whitmore or was it one of the Thompsons? Was it Chet uh, when we saw him who looked really good? Oh, I know who it was. Keontae George um, is who I was thinking of. Keontae George from Utah. Because um, I don't think he played in the last game or something. Um, yes. And he was probably like he was probably my favorite. I don't know if I'm buying way too much in, but the stuff that I watched, Keontae George is the type of player that I'm generally drawn to that I'm like, oh, he's going to be he's going to be an all star. He's he's going to be really good. I noticed the same. I was. um it's hard to pick one guy uh, mm. out of everybody that played that kind of stood to me um, more than anybody. But Keontae George is definitely in the mix for me. Uh, when I was in Vegas, I got to watch a good amount of him play uh, in person uh, one of their last games before he got hurt. And uh, what really was stood to me about his game is just the fact that he's just a very dynamic guard on the ball, so he can create his own shot pretty easily. Uh, he has deep range, mm. uh, being able to pull up contested. Uh, whatever the case is, and get get reliable buckets was definitely something that stood out to me. And it looks like he can add other elements to his game. I don't think he's going to be a one-trick pony. He's going to be able to make plays for teammates. Uh, he's a little bit bigger of a guard, 6'3", 6'4", so he's not going to be bullied around the court. Uh, if he really puts his mind to it, he can be a halfway decent defender. So I think when it comes to Keontae George, he has the ability to be a more of a multifaceted point guard as opposed to a player that's just going to go in there and get you 20 points, 25 points. 
Uh, I heard it said a lot, and um, I can't remember who exactly mentioned it. Uh, it might have been during Summer League, but the fact of the matter is these Summer League teams, they're not looking for a guy, another guy that could come in and score 20 points. Most likely they already have that. They already have an established core, a foundation of guys that can go in there and, and get easy buckets or just fill it up, um, you know, shoot threes and everything like that. What they're looking for are guys that do things a little bit differently, uh, dock for loose balls, give effort on defense, get on the boards, things like that. And uh, for me, it looks like Keontae is going to be able to at least kind of grow into somebody that fits that mold a little bit. Although scoring was the standout in summer league um, for the Kings, they are going to need that next guy to step up since Mike Conley is um, at the trail end of his career. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about Keontae. I was already kind of eyeing him prior to the draft, but the fact that he can go into Utah and, and our, or he can go into Vegas and have such a great performance is, is even better. And it makes you feel really good about him. So um, really excited about what Keontae can possibly bring to uh, to Utah really soon. I wonder if he starts right away or you have to roll with Con Sexton and Jordan Clarkson to start things off or if he pushes. Like, I, I don't know. And, I, and out of those two guards, I'm not even sure who the better fit is to be his backcourt mate. Obviously, Jordan Clarkson totally fine being six man. But I, I do wonder who the ideal backcourt mate fit is for Keontae early on in his development in Utah. And if it's somebody on this roster right now, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious how they handle yeah. it. Me too. Uh, I haven't given a ton of thought to who starts. Mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of bring in Keontae a little bit slower. They don't start him day one. Mm. Uh, maybe keep the found keep keep that starting lineup a little bit uh, more uh, more of an emphasis on the veteran players. So you know, bring in Conley, bring in Clarkson to kind of start things off. Uh, go with guys that have been around a little bit until Keontae gets up to speed. And um, he has a few games under his belt, but I mean, I would actually be surprised if he doesn't finish the season as a starter uh, for the jazz. Uh, I expect Conley and or Clarkson, if they get down the stretch, especially if they're not in playoff contention, those guys, their minutes will probably get cut in favor of Colin Sexton in favor of George and have those guys assert, um, you know, get more minutes and have more of a, an impact on, uh, on the game as far as how much they're playing. So that's kind of what I anticipate happening. I could be wrong. Keontae could start day one. Um, I think he's capable. Uh, but for the Jazz, for a team that's looking to at least be in the play-in conversation, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they went with a core that's a little bit more experienced, uh, let the vets lead, and then let the young guys kind of fill in when needed, and especially if they start to assert themselves in the in the bench unit to start the season. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what the Jazz do because I think they're going to have some really weird lineups uh, this year, and I'm very curious to see how they juggle uh, a lot of these guys uh, going forward. So they're fun. They'll be they're well coached and uh, maybe a plan uh, dark horse this year. Um, when you look at the Thunder, this is another team that I'm very curious about. And I feel like the Thunder are like just the team that was that no trade clause dot com uh, that you should go check out if you have not already was built for is just yeah. keeping track of the thunder is uh exhausting um the casual fan really cannot is. keep up with the oklahoma city thunder oklahoma city thunder fans can't really keep up with the oklahoma city thunder because i, I just i even wonder like if you pulled just the casual thunder fan like how they would if you were like who do you think's the opening night starting five for this thunder team like how many folks would be able to be like okay i know shay chet and then it just jalen williams and then you're like okay now what is this rotation like Kaysen Wallace, another guy who looked really good in summer league. Um, and that's just add another guard who needs to play uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. When you look at how Sam Presti has gone about this rebuild and retooling here in OKC, are you a fan now that we've had a couple years of watching this, seeing some of the picks that have come in from their bigger trades? Like, are you a fan and a believer in what Oklahoma City doing and then being able to see this thing through to the finish line? I really, I really am a believer in what they're doing uh, just because they've managed their assets so well, uh, making good trades, making really solid draft picks, regardless of where their selection is. Uh, they could be in the teens. You know, they don't have to have a lottery pick to get an impact guy. Um, that just goes to show that their scouting department does really good work. Sam Presti it, it has his fingerprints all over this. Uh, he's really savvy about taking on additional salary in order to accumulate draft picks. Um, you know, if you go on our page or, you know, like you said before, I mean, this is exactly why we do what we do in no trade clause is to help not only casual fans keep up with what these teams are doing, but the experts as well. Um, we've had 
agents come to us, you know, looking for information on these contracts, uh, people that are in the league or in scouting departments. I mean, it's, it's helpful for everybody to have this information. So, you know, if you go on our website and you look at their draft pick situation, I mean, you'll see just a, loads of picks um, over the next several years. And then if you also go look at our cap sheet, you know, look at their salaries, you know, they're, they're not into luxury tax, you know, they're not in the, in the tax aprons to where they're paying crazy penalties. Uh, they're eventually going to have to make some tough decisions when it comes to paying all these guys over the next couple of years when Jalen Williams becomes extension eligible and Josh Giddy, um, I think next year he's going to be eligible for an extension. So that's going to be a different conversation down the road. But for now, I mean, their money is in check. Shea is locked up for a few years. Um, he's under a great contract. So you're getting a top 10, 15 player in this league for a great value, um, great depth. So if you look at everything you want your team to be uh, checking off um, when it comes to being a contender or at least a competitive team, they're doing everything. They have picks, they have their cornerstone player in Shea. They have a lot of depth. They have good young talent. They have a great coach. Um, Mark Dengold just got extended um, recently over the next, I think it was a week or two ago, he got a contract extension from the Thunder. So the foundation is set and I think they've established a culture of winning uh, accountability. And there's a lot of stable stabilization going on in that, in that um, franchise. There's not coaches going back and forth, players going back and forth. They know what they want to do. They're following the plan. So I think if you look at everything you want a franchise to do in order to continue to grow, they're doing that. So I am a huge believer. And I think that even though the Thunder may not take a huge jump this season, that's really hard to do to go from good to great. They're still going to be really competitive. And I think they have one of the brightest futures, if not the brightest future in the entire league. But when you look at all their picks still to <laughs> still to take place for this team, you look at, like we've uh, just illustrated here, Chet, Shea, Josh Giddy, Kaysom Wallace, um, Jalen Williams. I mean, you just bring over Mitchich, I guess is how you pronounce it. Is that, uh, is it Mitchich? I haven't heard it yet on a broadcast, so I am not I certain. Either, so. <laughs> okay, well, we'll go with Mitchich. I think it would be my guess. And you just go up and down this list. The other Jalen Williams, you look at Isaiah Joe, who's been a, a good find out of Philadelphia. And you bring in Ty Ty Washington, who's, I swear, already been traded six times since uh, entering the league. Seriously. I mean, there's a lot of picks they still have to convey. And they're going to have to consolidate at some point. I mean... Just the whole point of having all these assets is like, hey, like they are in a good spot. Kind of like they kind of remind me where the Raptors were pre Kawhi. Is that a fair comparison where it was like they have all these great pieces that we like? We like how Messiah's built that team. They're going to they have a solid foundation. And if the right star comes about because they're not a free agent destination, they can pounce um, when that disgruntled star works. And then they could immediately become a title contender because they wouldn't have to. If we look at the last big trades um what it's ended up involving with draft capital and everything else like they've got their core guys that they'd probably be able to keep to surround that final piece with a bunch of really good players i don't know is there someone that fascinates you the most because like dame i don't think it's an option i don't even know if i really like that dame and uh shea fit anyway but like who to you over the next couple years makes the most sense or is the most intriguing to you to kind of consolidate so much of this future for okc you know, it's tough to say, Chase. I mean, every year there's there's a player that ends up wanting a trade that you don't see coming. So, I mean, for me right now, it, it's really tough to say uh, mm. as far as one guy that could become available. But I will say that the Thunder do have uh, the assets to make almost any deal, pretty much any deal for any kind of type of player, um, even the Tier 1 players. Uh, I'm in agreement. They're going to need to do that. I've mentioned this on uh, a few pods over No Trade Clause uh, previously. Uh, the fact that they are going to have to do this because you can't bring in all these young players at some point you need to ship off some of that talent in order to bring in more established players and when it comes to the thunder situation i mean look at all those picks that they have you look at their assets uh the the team that comes to mind for me when it comes to comparing their situation is the houston rockets pre-james harden mm. uh, when you look at all the assets they had i mean they had um kyle lowry Luis scola yeah. um I want to say Kevin Martin for, for yeah. uh, a minute as well. Trevor Ariza, um, I want to say. Yep. They had a whole bunch of players that were not necessarily great players, but they had a lot of good players. And I think they had a good mm. amount of draft capital as well, like the Thunder do now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, it's not a 
one-to-one comparison because the Thunder already have Shea. The, the Rockets didn't have that established player until they got James Harden. But just the fact that they're in similar situations when it comes to, okay, you're a 40, I would say you're a 38 to 42, 43 win team right now. You want to be 45, 50 plus. You want to be a title mm. contender. How do you get there? And for them, the next step is going to be consolidation. You mentioned all those young bench players that they have coming through the pipeline. They're going to need minutes. And some of those guys are going to be left out. Isaiah Joe might get left out. Um, Osmane, um, Osmane um, Jang, who played in mm. summer league, he's going into his second year. You know, he's probably going to have problems finding some good court time for the Thunder. Uh, so for these guys to get their full opportunity, it's probably going to come with another team. And it may not be this season, but I would say in the next year or so, there is going to be a consolidation. So we're going to have to keep our eyes open. You never know who's going to become available. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys that right now it seems like everything is fine. I mean, a year ago, it seemed like everything was fine in Portland with Dame, and then all of a sudden, now he's had enough. So you know, my answer to that for now would be, you know, I'm not really sure. Uh, but for the Thunder, I mean, they do have the ability to do it at any time. They're locked and loaded. They're ready to go. Uh, Sam Presti, I think, is going to leap on it whenever that opportunity does become available. And uh, I would say it doesn't even need to be for a uh, a, a guy of the caliber of a, of a Shea Gilgis Alexander or somebody like that. I mean, if it's somebody that could slot in as like that number two, and let's say it's like a Mikel Bridges level player, a guy that mm. can come in and you know, score 20 to 25. He's not a superstar. Uh, he's not an Embiid, Jokic, LeBron, somebody of that caliber, but still a very, very good player that can come in, defend multiple positions, and just take a little bit of the load off of Shea as far as scoring goes. That could be something that they look at as far as that missing piece. Uh, I do think it will be soon, but, I mean, who's to say that it's going to be right now? I mean, you never know who's going to end up hitting the market, who's going to end up demanding a trade. It just seems like it comes out of nowhere these days. Do you know who I've thought about a lot for them? Who you got? It's Zion. If there was ever a way to just be like, hey, a win-win type deal, like I don't know if you'd have to include Chet or Jalen Williams in a Zion trade. He's locked in. He's like, if you're New Orleans, you're already pretty annoyed at the entire situation of the last couple of years anyway. Probably, yeah. If you're Oklahoma City, you're not going to find a better, just up high upside best player in basketball player on the market in the next couple of years i don't think than zion like obviously the Knicks stuff is going to keep popping up the bigger markets brooklyn whoever but no nobody will be able to present the new orleans pelicans with an offer that the thunder could and if you're the thunder you're like yeah even if it doesn't go well for cut like later on or we don't get in for the next 10 or whatever like shea is ready to win now josh giddy's older you get some of these guys and then suddenly you're like what could a shea and zion uh core and josh giddy core do like it'd be extremely fun extremely versatile and like i don't know if it wins you a title but i think it's something where look we see that dame only wants to go to miami and it seems like there is um a bigger push on that front for guys to go exactly where they want and then we have reports of like uh teams don't even want it like there's it's such a mess what's going on with dame right now and if he ends up in miami we'll see but like I wonder if we pivot back the other way based on what's happened here with the last couple of superstar trades where they're like, look, man, if you want to go out and you haven't played basketball really in the last three years and you when we've seen you play basketball, like the Pelicans were the number one seed in the West for a little bit, yeah. like that they upside's were. so high, but you're, I don't know if you're the Pelicans, you're like, look, man, we just, we kind of want to move on. And like, what does a Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Chet Holmgren core look like? Could that still be one of the best teams in the West? Could that still... Um, get you to where you want to go over the next couple of years and at least you get off the headaches uh, on that front and if you're Oklahoma City you're like look we'll just do the whole picks thing and rebuild all over again like we have one of the best general managers in basketball we can do we can like Sam Presti can keep doing what he's been doing the last couple of years for the next 30 like it doesn't seem like he has had any issues on this front with drafting I mean he drafted James Harden Russell Westbrook and um, uh, Kevin Durant so the dude knows what he's doing in this regard. He's got a little bit over a decade of track record. So I might give him the benefit of the doubt here. I yep. There's a couple guys in the league where I would just roll the dice. And guys like Zion, I would just keep calling. And I'd be like, David, um, you're not going to get a better deal than this. Would you rather just get rid of the headache and just see how many games you can win over the next three to three-ish years with Chet? 
CJ and Brandon Ingram. Like that's a really good team. That's a really good core. Um, Absolutely. A crazy defensive core, but like it'd be a lot of fun. Why not just go down that road? I don't know. I think that's uh that's something I would pursue if I'm New Orleans and Oklahoma City. Okay. That's it's not it's not something I thought about before, but I can see how it could benefit both sides for sure. Uh I, I mean you're right. I mean, the Pelicans wouldn't find a better deal anywhere when it comes yep. to the, the type of return you would want. I mean, they have exactly what any team would want when it comes to giving up their best player. So it it's it would make sense for both sides. You know, the Thunder, I mean, I can't imagine that that tandem of, of Shea and Zion would be absolutely deadly. I mean, how do you stop that? I mean, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. In the pick and roll, like, what do you do with that? Yeah, the pick and roll, even just like individually, they're two of the best players when it comes to getting into the paint and finishing inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go look up the numbers as far as like how often they get to the rim, how often they uh, finish their shots inside, I mean, they're going to probably be both in the top 10 and Shea is top three, I believe, in that in that category. So the pressure they put on defenses together would be insane. And if you have just enough spacing to kind of level that out, I mean, you're looking at a you know easily a top 10 offense in the league. Uh, between those two guys and a little bit of a shooting, uh, you know, a little bit of secondary creation to kind of balance it out a little bit. Uh, you know, for New Orleans, yeah, I mean, I think it would signal a full, um, you know, a, a semi-full rebuild on their end. I mean, if you have Brandon Ingram, if you have Chet, um, CJ is aging. I'm not sure if they would think it's still worth going all in with those three guys. But, I mean, it would give them more options. They'd have a lot of draft capital, and I believe they still have a decent amount of their own picks. Um, yeah. You know, David Griffin has been pretty savvy himself at gathering picks over the last several years. So, I mean, it's not like they're barren. They're not the Phoenix Suns uh, yeah. when it comes to the picks. They have options. So You could take I mean, Case on Wallace in that deal, too, and that's another high upside lottery. Like, there are yeah. options. You could bring in more uh, to kind of replenish more. I. I just that's the one I've been thinking about that I don't think will happen. But if I were both sides, I would think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, who is more likely or most likely to be the worst team in the West right now? It is August 6th, late on a mm. Sunday night, Aaron. As of right now, who do you think is most likely going to finish with the worst record in the Western Conference this year? Real tough question, man. Uh, Spurs got Wemby. Mm-hmm. Rockets got Cam. They got Amon. Um, they have so much talent. Um, yeah, it's really tough to say. I mean, Pelicans are probably going to be competitive once again, especially if Zion is healthy. They're not going to be anywhere near the bottom. Um, Timberwolves, obviously very competitive. So, I mean, if you ask me today, honestly, I'd probably still go with, I mean, it'd be tough, but. You miss, you're not mentioning somebody I thought you would mention early. Let's see who I'm missing. I think it's Portland. Um, Portland, yeah. Yeah. They could definitely be in there. Um, right? You know, like, I think Portland's the right there. Down. Yeah. I can see them being towards the bottom. I would say between Portland and San Antonio, hmm. one of those two teams. I mean, San Antonio is still really young. Um, you know, Wemby year one. Um, I think he's going to be, you know, great for them. He's going to have a great impact, especially defensively. Uh, mm-hmm. But they still have a really young core and they're still trying to kind of figure things out. So, you know, Portland bottom and then san antonio uh maybe 14 13 14 in that mix and then you know rockets are gonna take a step up i mean they brought in some vets they brought in van vliet they brought in dylan brooks uh for the very purpose of moving up so i mean if something happens to the injury front they could slide back towards the bottom but if everybody's healthy i can definitely see them at least moving up a few a few slots in the western pecking order but yeah portland and san antonio look like the most likely choices to me right now but of course it's it's crazy out here the wild west you never know but i I do like how competitive it is because it's really it really is hard to pick one team or even two um that would be down there just because everybody's so competitive and um even the teams that are really bad last season added some really solid pieces so i think everybody's going to be in the mix and i think we're going to continue to see that parity uh in the west and across the league that we saw last year it's going to make things really interesting I agree. I think the East is like we don't even really need to play the season. Like I'm, I'm good. I think I know who's making the ten, uh, ten spots, including the play-in in the East. That I'm now the where they finish uh, in the pecking order. I think is still very much up for debate, uh, especially outside the top two. But like, I don't know. I just I'm at this point, uh, Aaron. I don't know if you are with the East. I'm just like Celtics are winning the East. Like barring significant injury, I just I don't see a path to the Celtics not winning the East going into next year, and. Mm-hmm. 
In the West, though, I just, like you said, you can make a case for just about everybody but the Blazers for me. Even the Spurs. I think the Blazers and the Spurs, I think you're right. Where it's like, the thing, I just don't believe Wimby's playing like 70 plus games. I think they're already going to be extremely careful with him. Um, yeah, for sure. And then just seeing what we saw last year with Chet and guys, I mean, and B coming like, and like, they're not all the same, but it's just bigs scare me and he's a different kind of big with how much he plays in the perimeter and what he's going to be asked to do and like what kind of defensive workload are they going to give him right out of the gates here i'm very right. curious like he's gonna be must see television but like we know pop started um uh just this emphasis and rightfully so on rest and keeping guys healthy and protecting guys that like i just I'm very curious to see how many games Wimby ends up playing, but I just, I don't see it being a significant, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays like 40 ish. Um, and they just do like, oh, he plays one game. He doesn't play the next game. And um, they're overly cautious there because he's the most important player they've had in 20 plus years. So it's a, uh, it's a big, it's a big long-term investment. And they're playing the long game there, but I mean, the Mavs didn't make the playoffs last year. If Luca's healthy for 82 games and Kyrie's healthy and plays. There's no way that they're not making the playoffs. Like I, th- right. it's just, this is not happening. A top three player in the league and top 10 player when he's locked in that just, they don't miss the playoffs. That's just not how this league goes. Like you said with Zion, if he's healthy, the Pelicans aren't missing the playoffs. If he, Like you just go up and down the list. Ant looks like he's making the jump this summer for Minnesota. Yeah. Like they're not, I, it's going to be pretty wild because I think it's going to be kind of a stunner where like the Kings, I could easily see falling out of the playoffs next year. They had a mm-hmm. great year, 48 wins, but the West is going to be so crazy I could see it. Memphis, how much of a hole do they dig themselves with Jaw out? Like, where are yeah. they at? Like, there's just not a lot of room for air. And Tyus Jones is not running that second unit anymore. He's not going to be able to keep things afloat. Like, it would not. I mean, I don't know if you're here, but like, would it surprise you if Memphis is a play-in team next year if they dig themselves too much of a hole? Where, like, there is a quick path to Memphis just missing the playoffs altogether, which is Jaron has another injury-riddled season. And that's it. Like, cause you are without jaw. You could easily see a scenario where it's just too much to overcome in a brutal deep Western conference. I think they're probably my sneaky playoff watch team going into next year. Mm. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Um, that would definitely be the absolute worst case scenario. I mean, by default, you're losing jaw for 25 games. That's mm-hmm. a huge hit. Uh, I do like the market smart signing uh, or, or the trade, bringing him in to kind of level the ship a little bit. That's definitely going to be a huge help. Um, when it comes to them being a playing team, I can see it. Uh, it can end up being like a, a Lakers situation from last year where, yeah. where AD LeBron missed quite a bit of time and that sunk them to the seventh seed and they had to yeah. fight their way in. So yes, I can see it happening. Uh, losing job for 25 automatically assuming no other injuries. I mean, he's maxing out. He, he's not even going to hit 70 games. I mean, that's a huge mm-hmm. hit for them for sure. Uh, Jaren's got to be healthy. He's got to take, that next step, he's got to be more of an offensive presence to 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 make up for job being out. Uh, we'll see if he's capable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jaron's got to be healthy. Marcus Smart has got to be healthy. Stephen Adams, I, I think mm. that's a player that we, we don't talk about enough. Last year, uh, when they lost him, losing job obviously hurt them. But when they lost Stephen Adams to injury, and um, I don't believe he even played in the playoffs. I nope. mean, that does hurt him so bad. Um, he was their interior presence, their enforcer. Um, he was super steady throughout the game. The rebounding percentage plummeted. Uh, second chance points went down the drain. So, I mean, that was one of their big identities on that team with, with Steven Adams and giving them that toughness and just the ability to create more shots through rebounding, um, taking away uh, shots for the other team with defensive rebounding. He means so much to them in the interior. Uh, he's got to be healthy as well. And Xavier Tillman did an admirable job trying to fill in for him. He had some good moments, but those three guys, I mean, Smart, Jaron Jackson, and Steven Adams got to be on the court for a large majority of the season while Jaw is out, especially while Jaw is out. And they have to be impactful, um, especially on defense. I-, I think that those three guys, their defensive identity gives them a chance to remain afloat, even though they're going to lose quite a bit offensively not having John in the fold. I think they can tread water just because those three guys are going to give them such a great defensive identity, being able to keep opponents in check, hang around games. Even if they're getting outshot a little bit, they can keep things kind of in check and and be at least close and just have to finish it out through the clutch. So could see a playing scenario. Uh, If Ja plays the rest of the way when he comes back and those other three guys are healthy, I'd say they stay out of it. 
But there is a scenario, there is a world in which that does happen. It just comes down to their health and um, how good Ja is when he, once he gets back. But it's a lot of question marks. They can really finish anywhere between eight and maybe even the second seed, somewhere yeah. in there. Such a wide range of outcomes. It's crazy. I, I'm very excited to watch the West uh, this year. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the East, on the other hand, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty obvious to me and I just feel bad for like Pistons fans where it's like, you just keep mixing and matching some of these guys. And I'm just like, the shooting's not there. Like we can get excited about, uh, just the, the they're just the, uh, perennial, the East is big man team where they're just like, what if we can, we play Duran at the three? Are we sure? Can or can we not? Can can we bring Mehmet Okor back? Can he be our our lead ball handler? Maybe we can do that. That will uh, change things a little bit. But Monty Williams gets the bag and gets the long term contract to bring him in to replace Dwayne Casey, who moves up into the front office. Like, I think they're my pick uh, to finish worse in the East again. And then you're just like, you're just spinning your wheels, and it's just like we make the joke of like the middle is the worst place to be in the NBA, right? Like you don't want to be that uh, Orlando magic team with Steve Clifford uh, from a couple years ago. You don't want to be around there. You want to either bottom out or be one of the contenders or whatever. I think that's not true. I think the worst place to be is actually be rudderless at the bottom. Like keep getting uh, bites of the apple to bring in a number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham and then him not be available and show flashes. But I don't think Cade, and uh, you can speak more to this than me, strikes me as just he's not going to be a Zion jaw Luca just recent guys like Jason Tatum like I just don't think he's gonna his upside is top 10 in the NBA at his peak um it doesn't seem like he's going to be that kind of player like an all-NBA player sure a really good player maybe a good number two uh on a title team but he doesn't strike me as um what you would in a perfect world want uh in a number one overall pick and you just look at this group um Ahmed's brother coming in there and he looked uh, good in summer league and I just I look at this I'm like the shooting's still not there I don't like the shooting on this team at all and I just I look at it and I'm like I think they're gonna be one of the worst offenses in the league again and with just how much this league is so offensive oriented I don't see how they get out of the gutter. I think they're still going to be one of the worst teams in basketball again this year and then pick again <laughs> early in the draft. Do you feel the same way or do you have somebody else at the bottom of the East? Uh, you know, when it goes to the bottom of the East, I, I, I still want to roll with Charlotte. Mm. I, I just think they still don't have enough. Um, That's Brandon fair. Miller is a great player. Uh, LaMelo is what great. What did you see from him in Summer Lake? Did it, did it inspire any sense of confidence for you? Did it change anything you saw coming into the draft? How did he? How did that look for you? Uh, for, for Brandon Miller, um, you know, I'm going to be honest, I didn't see a ton of Charlotte games. Um, mm-hmm. I do know that they were pretty pretty awful when they did play. Um, but what I did see from Brandon Miller is just that ability to – I just think he has a lot of untapped scoring upside. Uh, I saw him hit some deep threes. I saw him just – being able to create some good looks for himself with the, with the with a solid release, just um, have the ability to get hot at a moment's notice, you know, hit three or four threes in a row. Uh, so when it comes to his ability to, I would say, take over games, he just needs to get a little bit stronger. Uh, being able to finish inside, I think it's going to help him a ton, just kind of level out that distribution of his scoring. If he can do that, I think he is a you know excellent scorer in the league. Uh, but I think off the bat, I mean, he can – make a really great impact as far as defensively. Mm. So being able to bring that element to Charlotte, I think it's going to be much, much needed. Uh, So that's something that uh, I noticed that, that they should really be looking forward to. I think that's a big reason they drafted him. Yeah. Scoot is great, but for what they need, I think they, that glaring hole at the wing just was too much to overlook. So they, they went Brandon, even though a lot of us had scoot number two. Uh, I I mean, I really want to stick with them as far as being, in that very bottom tier, just because, I mean, PJ Washington situation is still in the air. He was a starter for them. Um, large parts of the season, you know, we don't know if he's going to be back. Um, you know, what's Mark happening Wood- there. Why is he just not back? Why is he still sitting out there? What is I'm, it? I'm really not sure. I mean, I ask that same question almost every day. Cause I just look at who's available free agency and I say, okay, we have a somewhat of an understanding as to why Christian Wood is a free agent. That's mm-hmm. been reported. I haven't heard anything about PJ Washington, nothing as to why he's not being sought after, nothing about his attitude, character or anything 
pro- any promise with the relationship of the team. I'm honestly not sure because he did. Like have he's a good great- player. Like he's not a star, but he's he a good is. role player. He is. He's really solid for them. I mean, he had my dynasty fantasy team last season. He really helped me out towards towards the end. He had some mm-hmm. great scoring games. So I mean, yeah, he's not anything insane. He's not an incredible talent, but he's very solid. I think he's at least, uh, you know, a decent starting level forward in the league. So it, it does shock me as to why he's not signed. But I mean, just imagine a world to where they don't resign him. Yeah, Bridges is back, but we don't know what he looks like after a year away. Miller is a rookie. Uh, you know, Lamelo is great, but he can't do it all on his own. And there's still is he going to be ready at all this year? When is Lamelo supposed to be back? I mean, I'm under the underst- I'm under the impression he'll be ready for training camp. Um, oh, will he really? That's awesome. Contrary, hopefully. I mean, they really need him to to, to captain that ship and get them to where they want to go. Um, but I mean, Mark Williams in the interior. I mean, very great um, prospect at the center position. But I mean, he's still pretty raw. He's going into year two. Yeah. So I just think there's a lot of inexperience there. I, I've just noticed when you're looking at teams that finish towards the bottom, you can't look at their talent level. That's not a, a good indicator. It's going to be about their experience. So if you have a lot of guys that are playing a lot of minutes in the main rotation that just haven't really had a lot of time on the court together, um, they haven't had a lot of time in the NBA period, you're going to see a team that finishes towards the bottom. Houston was their last season. Charlotte was their last season. And Houston addressed that issue with more veteran influence with Van Vliet and Brooks and Jeff Green. Charlotte didn't really do that. They're still in the same position as far as the average age. Uh, guys are playing a lot of minutes. So I would pick them to be at the bottom. Yeah, Charlotte's probably going to be in the mix. But I, I just think Charlotte, with their lack of experience and just a lot of holes in the roster still, P.J. Washington being unsigned creates a lot of potential problems for them. And that's why they're, they're my pick to be towards the bottom of the East. Fast forward seven years. I'm curious your perspective on this. It's seven years in the future, Aaron. Who do you think is regarded as the better player? Lamelo Ball or Cade Cunningham? You know, at this point, when it comes to questions like this, I just tend to lean towards the player that's proven themselves at this point a little bit more. Mm. I mean, you look at Cade's numbers. He's averaging 26 and 6 through yeah. 76 games. So obviously, he's a great talent. He's had a decent amount of games in the league. Uh, you look at LaMelo, he's already, you know, been, um, you know, regarded as one of the better players in the league. He's has more games under his belt. He didn't miss a fair amount last season. I mean, he's um, shooting close to 40% but, now. He had 39, he was right. at 39% the year prior. Like he's playing a lot of minutes. Like he yeah. gets steals. Like I love LaMelo. Like LaMelo is flirting with averaging a triple double while also shooting the ball really well. Like. Yeah, I, that's the key. The I wouldn't hesitate saying Lamelo over Cade, and I wonder if that's yeah, how a that's lot of people are in the league feels. That's where I was actually going to transition to next was the shooting disparity. Like yeah. you mentioned, I mean, Lamelo's a very solid shooter. He can shoot from deep. He's not afraid to pull up from thirty. And then you look at Cade's numbers, and he's sub thirty percent from yep. three during his career. Free throw percentage is solid. He's over eighty percent. So I think the potential is there, but there's just not enough evidence that Cade can be the number one scorer a guy that creates his own shots consistently through the game good solid shots shoots a high percentage um and, and this is regular season this isn't even a mm-hmm. playoff environment so i think labello gives me more confidence just because of that swing factor of the shooting but Cade does have a lot of tools in his bag he's very well-rounded um probably has a little bit of a higher defensive ceiling than Lamelo. but i mean i'm with you i think i want to go Lamelo for the next several years just because you see a little bit more of him and he's just shown more of an ability to kind of take over his games with scoring and uh, just create easier shots for himself. He doesn't labor to get easy shots like the way Cade does. What's well, a good transition to the Hornets? Cause this is something I wanted to ask you new ownership taking over the Hornets, Michael Jordan, uh, no longer uh, the lead owner, majority owner of Charlotte going into next year. If you were placed in charge, Aaron, of running um, no trade clause, gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you get tapped to run the charlotte hornets how do you fix this like you talk about the brandon miller pick uh not really leaning into veteran free agents like houston did to kind of get out of the gutter of the east how would you approach fixing charlotte over the next year or two how would you how would you clean this up um if you're tasked with that challenge 
Yeah, I mean, the the first step is going to be kind of what you mentioned already. It's just bringing in some guys that can steady the ship as far as establishing a winning culture. I mean, there's there's a there's a certain element that vets bring to a team. I think it's being undervalued a little bit in today's game. Mm. I want to say I can't remember who it was exactly. Maybe it was Austin Rivers or somebody on a recent broadcast or podcast mentioned this. Like vets are not as you don't see that influence around the league as much as you used to. Mm. So I think Charlotte's going to need that. They're definitely going to need that influence. Um, I mean, this kind of sounds silly to say, but I mean, they have to draft better. I mean, you look at James Booknight, you look at Kai Jones, some of the recent draft picks just haven't panned out and you're going to stay in in purgatory. You're going to stay in the bottom of the league. If you can't draft well and find supplemental players, you got LaMelo. That's great. But I mean, it's hard to miss in the top three when it comes down to having picks in the, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12, 14, like you got to hit on some of those. Guys that can really stick for you. So, I mean, you got to draft better. I know that's, uh, you know, easier said than done, uh, drafting guys this young, but you got to do better on that front. And then just um, just making some, just making some, I mean, if you have to go out there and, and pull another Gordon Hayward's signing, you know, mm-hmm. you have to bring in a guy that, you know, yeah, he's owed a lot of money, but you, you bring in a guy like that to kind of serve two purposes. He can be that vet, but you can also make your team better kind of like the Rockets did with Van Vliet, just offer someone the bag and yeah, it's kind of pricey, but it's mm. what you got to do to get better. I mean, I would, I would focus on those three areas. You got to bring in some vets. You got to get better. Um, free agency, trading for a disgruntled guy, uh, trading for somebody that's kind of unproven, but has a lot of upside. Uh, even if you kind of have to take a hit as far as mm. your future assets go. Uh, and then just, just being keen on those draft picks, even, you know, those second rounders, you got to hit on those. Uh, you know, if you want to bring in some unwanted salary to acquire more draft picks, you definitely have that avenue to go. But mm-hmm. that's what I focus on is just those three areas and just just focusing on bringing a little bit more stability to a team. you got to have stable leadership, um, stable expectations, and just kind of eliminate that kind of hamster wheel you get into every year. Um, we're bringing in different guys and they have different expectations. It just never works out. Uh, when you're trying to build a winning team no and i think like it's kind of an attractive job i mean Lamelo ball i love uh mark williams i think will be a really good uh player and he's the type of center that i like because i think there's only two types of centers that have any interest to me in today's nba and it's the rim running uh defensive guys like the clint capella clones and then the joel Embiid, obviously the guys who've subtitles but like the deandre Aitons, like you could not like when the hawks were rumored to be a part of the deandre Aiden sweepstakes like that just that did not resonate with me at all Aaron like I'm just I'm out on DeAndre Aiden no interest in DeAndre Aiden that kind of player in terms of what their skill set is and what they actually bring to the table I I think Williams could end up being a really good player uh for Charlotte he actually had a really good game against Atlanta uh late in the year so I I think he'll he'll be interesting like would you get involved like if you're not gonna bring PJ Washington back and we'll see whatever happens with Bridges like Pascal Siakam obviously is not an option there, but like, is he like, if you're Charlotte, you have Steve Clifford, the ultimate get the most out of the least. You're already kind of locked in here with LaMelo. I mean, part of me wonders, like, look, you've had pretty bad lottery luck over the years. Like we don't have to revisit uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist and company, but like Charlotte fans would appreciate that, right? Like they would appreciate it. It's not going down memory lane here, but I think like a Pascal Siakam type deal to jumpstart this thing and let him be the lead guy, which is kind of seeming like what he, what he wants to be kind of in that Jeremy Grant uh, vein, kind of what they're doing on that front. Um, there'd be a lot of open space playing with the mellow ball. Seems very fun um, for an NBA player. Like, I don't know um, what they could potentially do there, but would you stay the course and keep uh, the slow approach if you're taking over here or would you, uh, dive in on somebody like uh, Pascal here? Uh, good question. Uh, when it comes to bringing a guy like Siakam, there are benefits. You know, we've already talked about some of them already. He's he's a winner. He's an NBA champion. He can he can be your number one scorer at times. Uh, you don't want to have him do that over the course of an entire season. Uh, he could be a little bit overtaxed in that position. He's more of a number two guy. I mean, we saw him do that with Kawhi Leonard when they when they made it all the way got to the mountaintop. So yeah, maybe I'll kick the tires on it, but I think Charlotte's problem is they just don't have the assets to make that happen. Um, 
their their positive assets right now are pretty much just Lamelo, who is not going anywhere. Terry Rozier, um, very good, but I mean you're going to need more than that to get a to get a Siakam back. Um, you know they have some draft picks they can definitely offer. I, mean, I believe that most of their picks. Um, Mark Williams is is another another good piece. Um, Nick Smith is unproven. He's a question mark. He just got drafted. PJ is a free agent, restricted free agent still to this day uh, as we record this podcast. Uh, Miles Bridges has been in a lot of different stories. There's a lot of controversy surrounding him. Uh, he's under a one-year deal, so he's not really a good train candidate. Uh, Gordon Hayward, I think, is an expiring contract. He doesn't have a ton of value. So from my perspective, if I'm the Toronto Raptors, I just don't see a reason to hmm. even make that trade with Charlotte just because they don't have the assets to make it happen. There's no one really appealing enough yeah. to get the conversation started. And, of course, they would ask for Brandon, and the Hornets would hang up the phone. So that wouldn't would work Would you do Brandon either. for OG? No. Okay. No. Uh, I mean, I, if I were the um, the Raptors, yeah, I would try to do that. But, I mean, yeah. if I'm the Hornets, I'm definitely not doing that. I mean, Brandon, you just drafted number two. Yeah. They obviously expect him to be a great, great player, uh, you know, possibly in the tier of a Siakam or better. So, yeah, I just don't see how they would come to an agreement. Maybe Charlotte would think about it, but they wouldn't go any farther than that just because of the lack of assets I think Charlotte has. That's a lot of their own doing. Like we just got done talking about not yeah. drafting well. If you don't draft well, you don't have a lot of positive assets and you just can't really make deals like that. So they kind of have to stay the course until they kind of rectify that problem and get a little bit farther along. I think that's fair. Um, final thing here tonight, Aaron. I want to play this game. Fact or fiction? It's something I've been thinking about a little bit this week. Fact or fiction? The Nets, who were a playoff team last year, will have a better record than the Knicks next season. Do you think that will end up being fact or fiction? I think this is closer than people might anticipate coming into the year. I think it's very close. It's very close. Uh Nets better record. I mean, on paper, you want to say the Knicks just because they have Randall, they have Brunson. I mean, Josh Hart has been was amazing for them last season. Uh, you know what? I kind of want to go. I kind of want to go. I'll, I'll go fiction on this, but mm. very close, very close. I mean, I would say within a few games, just because I, I think the Nets are very, very balanced. Uh, Bridges is is awesome. I mean, they have so much defensive capability. You look at their mm-hmm. entire roster. I mean, Claxton, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jordy Finney-Smith. I mean, they're going to be a very good defensive team. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to those guys, it's like, hey, just go out there, one-on-one, go give me a bucket. Bridges displayed a lot of that in those 50 50- six games or so he played for Mm -hmm. the nets but over the course of entire season now that you know teams are scouting for him he's the number one guy um they don't really have the other guy i mean dinwiddie can do do that in spurts as well but um yeah i don't know i i would say very narrowly the knicks but i mean it's really close i mean the nets have a great team there's a lot of depth there but i don't think they're top end offensively is quite the level of New York and New York still has a lot of great defensive pieces with hard and, and, and Mitchell Robinson uh, guys like that. So I'll say fiction, but man, I, I could be wrong. I don't feel great about it. The Nets have a great team. A lot of great guys there. I think it's fact. I, I am concerned about the Knicks depth, like Dante DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo like it's cool that they're adding, all these Villanova guys, and I like Jalen Brunson a lot, but like, I mean, you look past that. Like, Emmanuel quickly, are we sure he's a part of this team the whole year? Like, he is ready. He almost won six man of the year this past year. I just, I don't see him being in a uh, Nick longer. Uh, I, I just see that changing sooner rather than later, and we'll see what happens on that front if they trade him. Because uh, I think he's a free agent next year, right? Uh, quickly can be a free agent. Is that I correct? Think so. Yeah, so, I mean, he's probably getting a move. And I like Emmanuel quickly a lot. But you also look at it. 
Julius Randle year to year. He just you never know what you're gonna get there. Like he might be feuding with uh, the Knicks fans or media one week or one season, and then he's uh, back to uh, a guy who just hits shots, crazy shots from anywhere, and makes it look easy. Like he's uh, he's an enigma in New York, but like there's not a lot of depth if he or Mitchell Robinson go down behind him. Like Jericho Sims might have to play, or Isaiah Hartenstein will have to play a lot. I think he could get, they're they're limited with Obi Toppin being out the building. Like I don't, I don't really trust their depth. Uh, I'm not a big RJ Barrett guy. I could very much see a slide for the Knicks and them being a play in type team uh, going into this year. I didn't really love what they did this off season. The Nets, on the other hand, if I'm going to go down that road, Nick Claxton, I'm not sure if he's a player who can play late in games and important games. I like Nick Claxton a lot. But I think what might come down to the Nets being where I think they were a 45-1 team last year versus being a 48-ish, 51 team this year, Ben Simmons has to be back. Like, I think Ben Simmons has to be your closing five. Um, If the Nets are going to be really good, really fun, he has to embrace that. Like, because if you look just on paper, and I understand people who have checked out of uh, just theoretical Ben Simmons of the five, but Dorian Finney-Smith, Ben Simmons, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, as a closing five and your best lineup, like the yeah. versatility and what that could be could with Ben Simmons locked in. I think that's the big thing. And when you listen to Mikhail talk about Ben, they clearly have a good relationship. Um, I think Mikhail was on Paul George's podcast talking about um, uh, Ben and his back and everything else. And just like, maybe that is it. Maybe Ben does with no pressure, no stars on this roster. Like, yes, it's a big market. So broken, but like, he can just get back to not being the fourth guy on a team trying to win a title with KD and company, like not being the second guy to Joel Embiid and all, another win now team. This is now a rebuild. This is now a Kenny Atkinson type Nets team again. And he can just kind of play a lot freer with a lot of the eyeballs not on him and what the Nets are doing. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. really what it might come down to, right? Is what has been yeah. Simmons at this point? He's the big wild card. We just don't know what we're going to get. I mean, he could be another lost season. I mean, he can be back to near what he was before. I mean, I don't think he'll ever mm-hmm. get back to 100% of what he was. But if he's 80%, I mean, the Nets would would love for that to be the case. And it does really um, impact what they can do, what they're capable of. So we're going to have to see on that one. It can drastically change where they finish. But there's a lot of variables that I think could take this in either direction as far as like where they finish. But I think in either in, in, in any case, they're both going to be very competitive teams. They're going to be, uh, you know, they're both really well coached. They both have some great players. And, I mean, they're going to compete. So, I mean, that, that battle for New York, um, when those teams get together, is going to be a treat to watch just because of what they both bring to the table. So, I mean, I'm glad that we take both sides of this. I think it just kind of shows that there's not much of a margin there or a gap. Mm. Um, They're both going to be in in a similar range. It's just going to be about, you know, who improves on the margins and honestly, who just gets a little bit of luck their way just as far as injuries go. So we'll see. I love it. Aaron, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at NoTradeClause.com this week? Sure. So this week we have two upcoming podcasts. Uh, if you guys know about um, Adam um, Spinella over at the Box mm-hmm. One, uh, we're actually recording a podcast with him on Tuesday. And then we have another on Thursday with a former college basketball player and overseas player um, that you guys are definitely going to want to check out. So um, I'll leave that one as kind of more of a surprise. Um, okay. You'll find out soon who that is. Uh, but we do have two podcasts coming this week. Uh, we're continuously just keeping tabs on signings. So whenever signings are made final, we have to update those on our uh, cap sheets. And uh, we do have a new page that came out recently. It's called Cap Sheet Percentage. So if mm. you're looking to see what percentage of the cap a guy's contract in a given year um, occupies, we have that available for you as well. So between the podcast, the cap sheets, the draft capital, if you want to go check out that the Thunder situation we just mentioned earlier, uh, highly encourage you to check that out. And it's all available for you on nodechickclaws.com. So go give us a look. There you go. Aaron, thank you as always for making the time. I greatly appreciate it. And we'll have to check back in again soon. Sounds good, Chase. Thanks for having me on again. It was a great time. Always happy to come on and um, love what you're doing, man. Keep up the great work. Thank you. You as well. Let's both succeed. It's good. Uh, Let's both do it. Keep at it.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.